Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hayden. I'm working at- An Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver area newspaper. They've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on the Chuck and Julie Show. All right, Chuck Bonneville, Julie Hayden, Chuck and Julie Grassroots Show, Two Straight Up, brought to you by... The show is brought to you by Mountain West Wellness, Advanced Acupuncture and Chinese Medicine, and HappyTrees.co. Um, we've got a ton of stuff we're going to have. It's going to be kind of like Powerball, only different. Later in the show is Peg Cage is going to do a drawing for uh, the ballot order and speaking order for the vice chair candidates. We'll get to that. But first, we'd love... Well, to- I want to do a public service announcement first. Uh, our son Rev uh, shot a 76 uh, to come in second in the uh, championship this summer for kids in Colorado, done by USA Kids, and we're so proud. We're of him. proud of him. So all the times that we've been absent for the golf tournaments, it's paid off. Um, he, he so far is not on the PGA Tour, so we will continue to be working. But anyway, well, right, we're very proud of him. Um, I want to welcome retired Colonel John Mills. Um, he is the author of this great new book, The Nation Will Follow. Essentially, it's a firsthand, his firsthand experience fighting the deep state. I um, mean, not only does he talk about fighting the deep state, he has an action plan for what we can do. Um, so, Colonel, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it today. Hey, uh, Julie and Chuck, thank you so much. An honor to be on your show. That's great. Uh, let me ask you a question first. Can you define the deep state for us? Now, the deep state, uh, yeah, I define it in the book that the nation will follow, uh, is there's three components. I like to call it three components and four corners. So the first of the three components is the technocrats. So these are the super experts. These are the subject matter experts that are, you know, kind of a unquestioned, unassailable. These are the Dr. Fauci's of the deep state. Mm-hmm. These are the people that whatever they say goes, nobody questions them. And uh, they kind of float in and out of government, uh, things like that. So the technocrats. Then you have the bureaucrats. I was a bureaucrat. And uh, bureaucrats can be uniform military. They could be civilian. They can be the support contractors. And the support contractors, I'm not necessarily knocking them. We need them. I needed them to do a lot of my work, both in uniform and uh, and uh, as a senior civilian in government. But uh they're all kind of beholden to a growing government. And no matter, no matter what the question is, the answer is more governor, government. <laughs> so the tech, the technocrats, the bureaucrats, and then you also have the plutocrats. And these are really the wealthy, um, that, uh, a lot of it is because of the rise of big tech. But these are the, uh, Jeff Bezos, the Elon Musk. Uh, the Zuckerbergs, that's the plutocrats, and they're actually untoward, undue influence over government and the marriage of big government and big tech and their influence because of their wealth. So those are the three groups. But I also like to kind of shape it in four corners, the four corners, the box of the deep state. And we've, we've used the terms, it's big government, big tech. But also two terms I haven't used, it's big finance. This is BlackRock. Uh, this is uh, Vanguard, uh, groups like that, and their absolute uh, unbelievable power as well. And then the fourth is big academia. And I'm really talking about, I'm, I'm talking about K-12, through but really the post-K-12 through environment. I'm all for big academia. I mean, for academia, I, right. um, I'll um, uh, I'm, a, I'm an adjunct professor myself uh, for a graduate uh, in a graduate program, but always have to have absolute transparency and accountability, which we don't have now. So right. those are the three three groups and four corners. Where, where would you put the the higher ups in the Justice Department? Are they part of the bureaucratic state? I would say they they uh, except for some who might be considered subject matter experts. Uh, I would consider them more in the bureaucrat area. And a bureaucrat can be both a a political appointee and a careerist, too. Yes. 
Well, I think, and I don't know how much you follow this Hunter Biden plea deal explosion or implosion today, but to me, it seems like it was sort of the deep state in action where the Department of Justice, they go in, he's going to plead guilty to two misdemeanor tax things. And and then essentially his legal team's understanding is that the, everything is over. There'll be no other charges. And But the judge said, well, wait a minute, isn't he still under investigation? And the DOJ was caught because they didn't want to say no, but if they said yes... They said, yes. And then the defense attorney said, well, wait a minute. I thought he was clear. I mean, and the whole scheme, I think, was exposed. And so and the the scheme was the Justice Department does not want to disclose any of its materials or witnesses or anything else. So they must have an ongoing investigation to block Congress from doing it. On the other hand, uh, a plea agreement in which the DOJ can keep on charging you for past actions is worthless. Um, And so it was. It was a perfect one where the DOJ would say it's under investigation with the sub silencio that they're never going to charge him, uh, but they block all investigations. And it was exposed for what it was, a total fraud. Yeah, I mean, your take on it. Well, yeah, so our system uh, doesn't always work, but this is a a case in which it did work because you have three separate but equal branches of government. You had a judge who was saying, hold on a second here. You're not uh, one. I mean, there are two components to the lie. One, a hunter's own lawyer uh, lied uh, and didn't include the statements from the uh, the two yeah, uh, IRS whistleblowers. So that's lie one. And that's always it's kind of a life lesson. Uh, never lie to a judge. It, it usually does not turn out well when you lie to a judge. So that was just hunter's lawyers. But then you had the DOJ caught in the awkward situation of, of uh, you know, the judge asked, simple question is there is there continuing investigations yes or no and you know so so that what came out was yes there is other things because it's going to hold it i can't make a decision on this yeah you just you know one hunter's lawyer lied to me that's bad two (laughs) department of justice you just said that you for a formal law enforcement investigation um um the way it's supposed to be done is the information on a investigation is not supposed to come out. But the fact that there is an investigation uh, actually is there's nothing wrong with saying there is an investigation going on, which is what they should say. Now, the details of that uh, are, are, are actually kind of almost irrelevant for this case. The judge is going, is, was, is there an ongoing investigation going on? Yes or no? Well, if there is, then no, I can't. I can't give a plea deal. Well, but stuff. if they if they say there's not an ongoing investigation, Congress would now have access and could call yeah, they can hide all them. all the people. So the Justice Department was, wait a minute, we can't give up our shield, which is saying ongoing investigation, and and they can say, and Hunter Biden's team, by the words of it, can always say, no, this has covered everything. Uh, but the judge exposed the double lie, and uh, you know. Perhaps the Justice Department could continue to look even worse, but to me, <laughs> it's it's just they are so foul. Oh, yeah. Well, this is a collision of uh, now. Now, even if there's an ongoing investigation, uh, Congress can still call uh, and compel testimony. Now, no, they, the, not, they will not provide it. I can promise you because I've been involved in the process. They cannot force you to provide various information. They cannot. Yeah. Well, there's the whole. You're talking about two different things here. They can absolutely compel them to give testimony. They can't compel them to give details of the ongoing investigation. You can always call them over uh, for for compelled testimony. Uh, Well, you've watched watched the FBI director say, I can't answer that because this is an ongoing investigation, and I refuse to answer. So, yeah, they got the FBI head to come on, and he denied uh, he he refused to give any information on various subjects, citing uh, ongoing investigations. So I think this. Well, let me ask you though, because I wanted to circle back to your book, um, yeah, yeah. because like I said, I thought what was revealed today was a perfect example. But but talk to us. You said you know you had firsthand experience fighting the deep state. Um, talk talk to us a little bit about that. Hello. Yep. Yep. Are you here? We can Hello? hear you. Yeah, you kind of blank blanked out for a moment. Say, oh, say okay. the, there was a question somewhere. Oh well, you you t- you know your your book is about your firsthand experience of fighting the deep state. Can you talk to us a little bit mm-hmm. about what that was like? Yeah, well, so this was a uh, you know showing my experience when I was when I realized I had colleagues uh, 
spying on candidate Trump and then waging a uh, waging a coup against president-elect and then President Trump, me fighting with them, me fingering them to the Durham investigation. And, uh, um, you know, actually there were some good things. A lot of people don't understand a lot. There were actually several good things that came out of the Durham investigation. Uh, and then, you know, the, in the end, it's the action plan for the American citizen, you know, because a lot of what does most of the American public, what are they supposed to do? And then, you know, this, the, the yeah, preface so. is by Stephen K. Stephen K. Bannon, and this, this book is action, action, action. For ninety-five percent of the of the, the regular citizen, um, the, the need is to spend ninety-seven percent of your energy right where you live, making sure you have a clean county. This thirty-three hundred roughly county and county equivalents across the fifty states and the eight territories have this set. The same seven common uh, centers of gravity when it comes to governance, and that's your county council, your school board, your election board, your registrar, sheriff, judges, and prosecutors. They may be called something slightly different state by state. They may have slightly different responsibilities, uh, roles, and missions state by state, but they, those are the seven common um centers of gravity, centers of governance, and that's where American citizens, that's where you need to spend 97% of your energy, because the deep state at the federal level, and which colludes with the elites and the globalists in China, uh, they stand upon dirty counties. So secure your county, and the nation will follow, which is the name of the book. Well, and which is a place in blue states like Colorado hard. And we'll yeah. be talking about that kind of stuff later in the show. Well, let me ask you this, because you were a, a career military guy. You were a career um, in working in the government. At what point did you realize just how bad, and I guess if you can maybe share with us, how bad are things? Well, so I think when I realized that what Donald J. Trump was saying was correct. It was July of 2016, and I'm rushing to a meeting in the Pentagon, uh, and I run into somebody else who's rushing to a meeting, and that's what you do in the Pentagon, you rush to meetings. (laughs) And this person I ran into, this is 2016, this is during Obama's tenure, the person I ran into was a somebody who had been a Bush political, uh, a, a good friend, mentor. I had worked with him closely. I really looked up to him. And when I ran into him, uh, and I knew he was very involved in politics, I ran into him and I and I said, wow, good to see you. Hey, so you're, and I felt, it's okay. I don't normally bring up political matters. I mean, I mean, I, said, I won't be a professional, but it's a little bit different than somebody I know personally uh, well. And also, though they're very involved in the Republican politics, and the, and the Republican convention is about to happen in 2016. And I said, "Well, you're going to support you're going to support Trump at the convention, right?" And his his response changed everything. His response was, "No, we see more opportunities with her." And right there, wow. I just about lunged lunged at him. I said, "Who is we?" And what opportunities do you see? So right there, I realized everything Donald J. Trump was saying. Because I mean, I, I was actually not my personal uh, my personal viewpoint on who I was supporting. Uh, I actually had not really been uh, a, a, a Trump supporter. I'd actually been a Ted Cruz supporter. Yeah. But I had just watched I had just watched Trump knock out sixteen in a row, and anybody who knocks right. out sixteen in a row is, is the winner. It's as simple as that. <laughs> and so, but I, I really had not understood this thing because he kept on talking about the deep state, the swamp, and I'm going, I, I'm not totally sure what he's talking about. But when he, when my colleague said that, everything Donald J. Trump was saying made instant, immediate sense. Yes. And I knew right then, right there, there was a deep state. There is a deep state. There is a swamp. Donald J. Trump is right about everything. And from that uh-huh. point on, it is a war to save our republic. Yeah. Let me do- I knew. 
one of the things that concerns me is as and as you talked about sort of the 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 kind of the key components of the deep state which was a great explanation by the way um that you, you know there is the control anymore the censorship right i think they're trying to weaponize thought wrong thought by saying well it's misinformation and it's dangerous and maybe it should be a crime um and, i mean that really worries me how do you see that well, well, this is, uh, and, and I'm writing a, a book two. So book one, the nation will follow without now. Book two, War Against the Deep State is coming, uh, coming out in the fall about, it's about the foundation of the deep, uh, of mass surveillance, which is really in many ways the, the foundation of this, uh, this unlawful censorship we're seeing right now. So I've really tried to understand where and how we have Sworn members of government thinking it's okay to target, silence, and censor Americans. Yeah. I'm going, there is no, I didn't get through 30 plus years, and it's a lot more than 30, 30 plus years of government service without ever being charged or indicted. Without learning really quick, I had to know better than my lawyers the legal authority for doing what I was doing and the legal left and right limits of my authority. Yeah. And I had to know that well. Right. Um, I actually had to know it better than my lawyers. And oftentimes I had a lawyer strapped to each hip because uh-huh. you had to always make sure you were always straight and narrow on the legality of what you were doing. And I don't know where this craziness came from all of a sudden now here's I, I have a posit. I'll get to that in a moment. But again, another judicial branch victory, which reinforces the goodness of our three separate but equal branches, is Judge Dottie's decision from July fourth in the Illinois or excuse me, the uh Missouri and Louisiana case against uh DHS, it's really against Joe Biden, um, is the judge says federal government you have absolutely no legal authority to to target silence and censor Americans. There is none. And this is what I've been, I'm going, I'm scratching my head over the last year, kind of going, where is this coming from? But where there is no, and the judge says, there is no legal authority for you guys to do this. And in response, Merrick Garland immediately said, Judge, you're right, you're right, we're wrong. We're going to shut this down. We're going to investigate. We're going to hold people accountable for this. And no, he didn't say that. No, instead no, of Merrick Garland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so what instead what Merrick Garland did was double down and and file an filed an immediate motion to stay and keep on doing this. And the judge said, uh, "No, I'm rejecting this too." There, this is insanity. Now, I don't mean to get too policy wonkish or into U.S. law, the only thing I can think of, we created a mass uh, surveillance state right. starting in 2007 with the with the program I was working on, the Comprehensive National Cybersecurity Initiative. But I think where that intersected with bureaucrats feeling that they had some right and duty to target Americans was it? You've seen it referenced sometimes, probably, but not in a lot of detail. It's the the Smith Moot Act yeah. is it goes back into the I think it's like the fifties, and it basically it says U.S. government. This is when we were toe to toe, life or death struggle with the Soviet communists, and we had to get information out there to counteract Soviet propaganda. And Smith Moon says, U.S. government, you can absolutely do that. You can generate things. You can cre- create, you know, radio for Europe. You can create all these, uh, you know, the, the reading room at the embassy. You can do all these things. But that has to be, the target audience has to be non-U.S. citizens. Yeah. However, in the, in the 2013 Smith Moon update, the language was modified, and hey, Republicans supported this too, and this is where I've, I've worked on so many pieces of legislation, it's always the unintended consequences. The update 
essentially said, and I'm totally paraphrasing here, this is not verbatim, is essentially you could take now that U.S. government-created product that was intended for a foreign audience, and you're now allowed to take that same product and pivot it, pivot it and turn it, and now it, you can also give it to the American public. And this is where I think some of my brother and sister bureaucrats went crazy on this. Yeah. And, of course, of course, the Obama-Biden folks, I think, jumped on this and leveraged this. And they go, well, if we can do this now and we can take information created by the U.S. government and point it at the American people, we can now, it's it, 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 ergo, yeah. it's criminal, it's criminal to even question this information. Now, I don't see any logical uh, uh, intellectual ability to leap from one to the other, but they, uh, the bureaucrats have decided that now it's now criminal to even question. That's why you can't, you know, we said this is how the Wuhan virus was created. Anybody who says it was a lab leak, enemy, enemy of the state. Uh, we said, uh, you know, the, the, the virus, you've got to mask up. Anybody who questions it, enemy of the state. Anybody who we says you've got to get the vaccine, anybody who questions that, enemy of the state. That's the only, that at that, this point in time, that is my thesis on where people went back guano crazy, the bureaucrats and government. Because well, back, no, back in the 50s and 60s, the CIA had the Mockingbird program uh, where they mm-hmm. were uh, trying to make sure that local U.S. sources would parrot whatever the CIA wanted. Um, so that was at least a toe in the water, but this sounds like the entire body into the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, I mean, it, it's good to bring up Mockingbird because there is some truth. Now, Mockingbird really was actually focused on foreign media, foreign media. But regardless, Mockingbird was a foundational shift in the behavior and the role of the CIA. And it is very relevant to bring up Mockingbird because I think from Mockingbird, it began to get very fuzzy and it began to get, well, if we can plant a story in a foreign paper, we can plant a story in a domestic paper. Right. And if we can, and if we can plant a story in a domestic paper, we can begin to, you know, uh, be able to target and monitor and even censor Anybody who questions that that piece we just planted in a domestic, this is where it gets all so, so. So the original idea of Mockingbird was actually not a bad idea, but see, this is the problem uh, with with all U.S. government activity. Uh, there's a number of things that actually may have had a legal basis, but it rapidly, without again the keywords are absolute transparency and accountability, it can get it can go crazy real quick. Yes. Um, and sir, I hate to do this. You've been. I, We've got to get you back on. We've got to get you back on. We've got all our comments. We're reading. People love you. They love you. But we have to let you go now. But I want to give you the. So if you please, we'd love to have you back. But mostly, I want to let you let you have the opportunity to tell people where they can get your book and find out more about you. Because I know you're all over the place, but. Well, well, thank you. Really well, all over the place. Right? Is that good or bad? I appreciate. That's it. good. Thank you. Thank you. You're all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Well, so so here's the uh, I'm uh, the book is available. Uh, the nation will follow dot com. You can pre-order book two, War Against the Deep State. If you want an autographed version, go to the right. Lindell My Store, and I just autographed a bunch of the copies over at Lindell Store. So my my store, and then I'm Colonel Rex John, Colonel R E T John on Substack, Getter, and Truth. And you'll okay. see me regularly on uh, War Room, on uh, Newsmax, on uh, I also write for Epic Times, uh, and uh, other places. So thank you so much. Oh, uh, and hopefully now we can you can be regular here on the Chuck and Julie show. Yeah, thank you so thank much. You. Thank you. You've been great. wonderful. Okay, thank you, thank you so much, Chuck and Julie. Take care. Okay. Thank you, sir. That's um, Colonel John Mills. It sounds like a fascinating book. Um, yeah. The Nation will follow, and I like that he gives because so often we want to talk about okay, what can we do, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, the Nation will follow. It's a firsthand look at his fight against the deep state, and then actually an action plan. He says for what people can do. Um, one of the things people can do is what we're doing with the Colorado Republican Party, and the right. the rhinos do not like it at all. Nope. But um, there is going to be so Priscilla Ron was elected at the last 
Central Committee meeting to be the vice chair. She then promptly quit to run for um, Douglas County Commissioner. So now there is a vacancy and the Central Committee is going to be voting next Saturday for the vice chair. There are six candidates, which is a lot, which is a lot. And for a non-paying position, peg up. Peg Cage with MyColoradoGOP.org has been asked by Dave Williams to sort of do a drawing to determine what is the order that the candidates are going to be able to speak and what is their order going to be on the ballot. So- and just and just in case no anybody knows, um, the order on the ballot, you want to be first or second. You do not want to further down. It's harder and harder to get to you. Uh, as far as speaking goes, you want to be first or last. last. You want to be the first one to impress people or the last one who gets the last word in. So <laughs> it's not unimportant where you are in the ballot. It is not unimportant where you end up speaking. So so we can get Peg come on. Uh, oh, Leah wants to know if we can get Barney as a candidate. Yeah. And, and, and Thomas, let me just say to you, I am not sure about your question. So that's a good question and we can figure that out. But Peg, are you there for the drawing? I am here. And here are the names. Can you see them on my table? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, right. Let me know when you're going to draw, because we did find drum roll music. So. Oh, okay. Well, how about if you, do you have Dave on also? Because he can talk while I fold these up. But let me show you. I don't know if these, Dave is, Dave, Dave, are, Dave if you're on, go ahead and unmute yourself. Oh, he, he doesn't see a Dave Williams here. So okay. this is the ballot um, order. These are the, this is the ballot order. Um, Thomas, no, that's okay. Dave, if he was going to come on, if he could. This is the this speaker is order. This is the speaker order. Okay. We have six candidates in no particular order. We've got Aaron Woods, Stu Assay, Todd Watkins, Aaron Case, Alex Mugatu, and I'm sorry, Alex, if I said that really bad, and Hope Shuffleman. And I've got the same candidates for the speaker order. Which one do you want to do first? Let me let me interrupt and say Thomas. So Stu is part. We weren't. I wasn't sure. Stu is part of the people that Peg's gonna who might be joining. Um, I don't know which which you which you. I think we ought to go speaker order first and then ballot order since those will be okay. In Syriatim order. So So I will do in the background. I will fold up these and put them in my nice clear box. You know how I am about clear boxes. And and I'll talk while you kind of do that, Peg. So for those of you who don't know, Peg Cage has become sort of the election integrity expert guru, guru um, for some of the, you know, for a CD8 or some of the places where they do the voting. Yeah, um, she's, she's great. got a she's great, great reputation for doing it transparently. Former chair of Boulder County. Right. And for doing it fairly. Um, and Vanna White or her husband, <laughs> Dolan, whoever was, most, <laughs> was <laughs> most available was going to be doing that. So you can see she's putting them in. There is no trickery. There is no second. A little sleight of hand here. <laughs> there's no second kind of bottom on the whole thing. Um, and these are the candidates. That's cool that we have this much interest, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, yeah. Okay. This is from Dr. Donna. The go-to regarding the election info in Colorado. Exactly. So Peg, before you go, are you ready to draw? I'm ready to go. Not yet. Not, okay. Drum roll, please. Drum roll, please. All right. Number one speaker is Aaron Wood. Hey, Aaron. Right. See Aaron is here, so Aaron can try. Do you need to write on those or you remember? I would now immediately mess them up. But. And I'm, I have my friend and vice chair of the teller committee, Michelle Hart, is on, and she is writing these down as Perfect. we speak. All right. All right, second is Hope Shuffleman. Okay. Okay, we need more drum roll here. (laughs) Todd Watkins. Yay. Fourth is Stu Lassay. Here we go. (laughs) And fifth is Aaron Case. Okay. And sixth. Last but not least, Alex. Yep. And Alex, if you're there, please let us know how to pronounce your name. All right. So there we go. There we have the order. And now we'll talk about Peg Folds at the other name. So those are the order that they're going to speak. Speak. Yep. Yep. Speak. Alex at the end got one of the best ones. And so did so did Aaron during the first one. And I don't know how long they have to speak. We could five minutes. Oh, five minutes. Okay. 
Um, yeah, and you're right. And I guess they have to be nominated. They can do it all quickly. So, um, and this meeting is all Saturday. And now for those of the- Not this Saturday, no, the following Saturday. the following Saturday. I mean, this is for members of the Central Committee. Um, and if you're a member, you know who you are. And if you don't know if you're a member, that means you're probably not. But I know a lot of other people, including reporters from Colorado Politics and the Colorado Sun are going to be there. Uh, yes, there'll be plenty of media people there. They don't get to vote though. Chuck well, and Julie, I am so excited. We get to be up on the stage like we were in the CD8. Oh, yeah. She'll be doing something. It'll be much bigger, but they'll be on the stage where everybody can see because election integrity matters so much. So so this is for the ballot seat. Thomas, drum roll, please. You want to be first here, folks. All right. Aaron Wood. All right, oh, thumbs up from Aaron. <laughs> uh oh, all right, we're gonna have to. Second, that's okay, Peggy. Todd Watkins. Todd Watkins. Okay, so these are the names and that'll be appearing in the ballot. New essay. And it's going to be a paper ballot, obviously, where people will be voting. Oh. No clickers. Hope Shuffleman. Okay. Oh, the suspense. The suspense. You're doing good. Aaron. Case. Aaron Case. Aaron okay. Gave. And then Aaron. finally, drum roll, Thomas, real quick. Uh. The worst place. <laughs> and Alex. All right, Alex, we got you. Okay. All right. So, Peg, can we see you for a real quick second? See oh, you. I don't know if you <laughs> There you are. So, so I had it. We have some of the candidates on, and I want to give them an opportunity to just to introduce themselves. Um, how? Explain just real quickly how this is going to work when people do the voting, because again, I think this is important for Republicans to understand. We can have fair, free, transparent elections. We just have to decide we want to. Right. On mycoloradogop.org, I have a little uh, circle that says the clear clear box process, and you can go on to that and kind of read more about it. But it's just uh, we will gather the ballots in clear boxes. We will take them up onto the stage, and each of the teller committees will have their own teller box, clear box, that they will only touch, only that group. And then they will cut them, and we will have uh, cut them. They will read them. And just like I showed you the who I, who I uh, opened the ballot for, the reader will show the people on either side of them. The people on either side of them have a tally sheet and they will just put a tick mark for each one of the candidates and we'll add it up and then add those teller sheets together and we'll come up with the totals and that total better match the number that went into the boxes. And then we will tell you who the winner is. And anybody who's ever been at a counting procedure, um, and I've been to quite a few, they can go off incredibly smoothly as when Peg runs it, or they can be the biggest cluster ever, <laughs> you ever saw, which has happened in, in uh, Adams County story. last time. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so great having uh, Peg doing it. All right. And then, um, okay, okay, here we go. Um, let's see the current. Okay. Oh, we have, some, we have several current candidates. Okay, Peg, thank you. So all the candidates are here. And let me just say this too. If um, you are a candidate and you weren't here and you hear about this, you're perfectly welcome to contact us at Chuck and, you know, the Chuck and Julie show. Um, and so we've all, we've, if you guys could just be kind of brief, but I see we have Aaron Wood here. All right. We've known Aaron. Aaron ran for chair before and is a great guy. Aaron, thanks for joining us. Yeah. So why don't you introduce yourself real quick and why, why, because I mean, what, what makes you want to do this? <laughs> well, first, uh, thank you for having me on here, Chuck and Julian. I, I think Peg Caves, too, for kind of leading by example, which I think is a great thing and definitely something we need to do as a Republican Party. You know, the reason I'm doing this is like my, my heart is still in the right place where it's like I want I want to help turn this party around and into being what it's supposed to be uh, a fighting force for conservative values in our state and lead the charge and, you know, taking it back from the Democrats that are basically, you know, ripping the state apart and gut punching all of us residents, business owners, families, you name it. Um, you know, it's the same heart as why I ran for chair. Seeing this opportunity come up with an opening for vice chair, I see uh, myself and Dave Williams being able to work well together. Um, I, I think we align on a lot of things. 
Uh, I do believe that my background in business and marketing and strategy and leadership can help complement what he's doing with the party to help communicate and also connect that top level strategy to the boots on the ground levels, you know, across all 64 counties in the state. So I see it as a great opportunity just to, to continue in this fight. Um, I had a few people reach out to me after the march thinking like I died or something. And I, got, <laughs> I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe rapture came and I just disappeared. I, it wasn't the case. Uh, I've been fighting the leftist Marxist progressive agenda here in Douglas County. And even tonight we have a town hall meeting with the commissioners where we're talking about the drag debacle at the county fairgrounds and going roundabout with Abe Layden and Laura Thomas and all this right. and that. So I, I've been kind of fighting the good fight here locally, um, but then seeing this opportunity come up for vice chair, it's like, I, I want to be that voice of activism, conservatism in the state. Well, right. let, let me ask you, no, 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 yes, we do. Um, I want to ask you, have you heard of, and do you have a position on the Bonniewell Amendment? <laughs> the Bonniewell Amendment, is that, is that that 70 percenter? Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I've I've heard of it. I haven't I haven't gotten enough um, communication about it, but I've heard of it. And actually, it came up yesterday. I did a a Zoom meeting that a few folks joined and kind of brought it up. Like, you know, it's it, it's not really fair. You know, this that and the other. And I say, I, I think the heart behind it is good. To where it's like you should find a way to attend and vote at these meetings, um, which is the thing that I see so much. Is like even on the micro level in Douglas County, we have district captains that don't show up to meetings and, you know, never vote. So we don't really know where they are yeah, look at yeah. it this way. It's like, well, if you don't show up, we'll count your vote as yes. I think that's an encouragement to get people yes. the means to show up to where it's like, well, it's either going to be a yes if you don't show up or if you do agree, show up and vote yes. Or, or vote a proxy. And I think with that, you know, as I mentioned yesterday, I know Hope and Stu were on. Yeah, like, we've got everybody you know. else here too. So yeah. thanks so much. Yeah, I don't mean to cut you off, but I want to give, make sure we give them a chance. Great. I see. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. We'll do much more of the binding. I see Hope um, is up there. Hey, Hope. You want to? There you go. If you want to unmute yourself, um, are you muted or are you unmuted? Oh yeah, you're unmuted. I believe I'm unmuted. Can you guys you hear me? Okay, yeah, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, sure can. All right. Hey, so everybody, my name is Hope Shuffleman. I am a woman, first and foremost. Okay, so I get want, that. I just want to make sure everybody is aware of that. I'm also a veteran. Um, I decided to jump into this race is because I do live in a rural community. I live in Bayfield, Colorado, which is in La Plata County, which is on the Western Slope, which is also part of CB3. So as we all know, Congresswoman Boebert's race is really, really contentious right now. With that said, I have had the fire in my belly ever since I was a veteran, and I served my country because of the fact that I believe in the Constitution, I live by the Constitution, and even as a veteran, no matter what, I will continue to fight foreign and domestic to make sure that we have the ability to live under a free nation. And that also includes Colorado. I believe, truly believe that Colorado, we can turn this Colorado back red. And with that said, we need to make sure that we put up prime candidates, good candidates from the county up, uh, county commissioners, school boards, even the coroner. I'm a critical care nurse practitioner. Coroners have a very huge play in this. Sheriffs and everything. So look at this. I am a small town girl, rowdy as can be, and will be there to make sure that we can get this done. I'm about uniting the Republican Party, making sure that we end up having a voice up at the state, not only from the state, but from the counties down. We need to make sure that we are inclusive. We get these people out to the polls to vote. Why are they are not voting? In my county, I looked it up just yesterday. There were 2,000, 2,000 re registered Republicans that did, get, did not get to the ballots. They, why are they not doing that? We need to educate them. We need to bring this party back together. I am a conservative woman. I am fiscally responsible. I believe in limited government. And I am here to win this race. When I am vice chair, I will be able to help the counties unite. All right. All right. I want to ask you the same question. Have you heard of and do you have a position on the Bonniewell Amendment? So I have. Yes, I have. And I have done a little bit of research in it. First and foremost, as a rural community, 
there's one caveat for this for this individual. I just want to make sure that maybe there could be some type of an amendment to the amendment that maybe is this is just for the actual vote in itself. Here's the thing. If we end up having some crazy snowstorm in September, I doubt it. But if there's ever a special election, let me tell you, getting over those passes are very difficult. That's a six and a half hour drive for me. I do understand there's proxy and all that stuff, but that would also limit our ability to get up there. So I am in favor for parts of it. If we can amend it where it would like cut off at a certain date, I'd be up for it. So, okay. you know, all right, great. All right. Thank you. Hope. Appreciate it. Okay. I think we had Stu on. Stu, are you there? If you're there, if you want to uh, turn your camera on. Well, um, you know, I, I'm sitting okay. on a, com- I'm in a computer that doesn't have a camera, but it does. Uh, have a microphone. Well, I was going to also, I was going to joke and say, sometimes people are not camera ready. Believe me. I recognize. <laughs> so Stu, go ahead and introduce yourself. You've got a couple of minutes here to let people know about you. Okay. All right. So th- quickly, I am this. I'm Stu AC. I'm chair of the Gunnison County uh, GOP. I've been chair for three years. Uh, before I came to Gunnison, I lived in Adams County for just about hey. four years. Yes, and uh, you know, it's my last. Uh, when I was in when I was in the Denver metro area, I think the last state assembly I was at. You guys probably you guys probably remember this mm-hmm. gentleman by the name of Pete Coors was running in two thousand four. Anybody remember him? Yeah, I, I know him. <laughs> and he it was it was a miserable loss. And it just seems like the Republican Party has had trouble getting traction just about ever since 2004, you know, yeah. getting winning candidates on a, on a statewide level. There's a reason so, for that. But yeah, 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 of, of course. But when I got to Gunnison, because of my great experience that I had with Adams County, learning about caucuses and county assembly, state assembly, whatnot. When I got to Gunnison, people were asking, okay, so what's a precinct committee person? Uh, sure. what, what is a caucus? Uh, what, what's the county assembly? And I knew, had all the answers. So they, it was kind of like, okay, your chair. <laughs> <laughs> your chair, so, right. right. <laughs> so I've been chair. We've been, it's been a rebuilding process in, in Gunnison for, for quite a while. As I've been looking around the state, uh, and Hope is probably on the same page, um, that, um, you know, we're, we're come from rural counties and a lot of Colorado rural counties are in the same shape that Gunnison was. You know, they, they're not communicating with the voters. Uh, they're having trouble getting their structure together and whatnot. So I think having had experience with that and as a since you guys know about Adams County, <clears throat> I was a Westminster City Councilor from 91 to 95. Oh, were you okay. really? Uh-huh. I'll, I'll just kind of put that out there. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I've got some experience with, you know, state, local government, because I was a state employee for several years. I know that we can pull this this state together, and uh, Hope kind of alluded to it. There's a lot of low-hanging fruit. In Gunnison County, we had almost 20% of our voters did not submit or provide a ballot. Mm-hmm. So. When uh, when the counties, rural counties are asking for yard signs, palm cards, everything else from the state candidates uh, and, and everything goes to the, the front range or the metro areas and they're not getting out to the rural rural community, they're missing the easy votes. And I think we can make a difference in rural Colorado, even though the numbers aren't there. We can put a lot of people over the top. OK, I can babble for like a really long no, time. It's OK. We all have well, the same question. Have you heard of? And do you have a position on the Bonnie Will Amendment? Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, I'm on I'm on dialed in with with hope. Uh, there's there's got to be a drop off time for that. It can't go in perpetuity. Uh, other counties like Weld, for example, Mesa County, if if it doesn't have a uh, if it doesn't have a, a sunset provision in it, it it's not going to make it. Uh, there, there's well, just but it's cases. only for for the only thing it applies to is the opt out because it, it applies. It has to be a threshold of seventy percent or more. There are no. Yes. Oh no! Exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. We're good. we'll do all this later. Hey, and I want to say because I see we've got all the kids on now, guys. Um, you can contact me through chuckandjulie.com and if you want to come on you know friday and all next week with a little bit more time i'm, I'm let me extend that opportunity to you too but Stu, hey thank you thank you I Stu. Thank, I see thank you folks thank you i think we have todd watkins on now too another good friend yeah is todd up 
Todd, are you there? And if you are, do you want to, if you can? I, I am here. Okay. I'm, I'm, dri I'm driving, so ho holding the camera up would uh, probably uh, yeah, result in a really interesting interview. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I'm Todd Watkins, um, the vice chairman of El Paso County, um, uh, Army veteran, 24-year uh, veteran of the U.S. Border Patrol, retired in uh, May of uh, 2021. And the, the reason I retired, I, I haven't said this lately, uh, not because I had to, wasn't wasn't aged out or anything. I retired because I was not going to serve an illegitimate, fraudulent, criminal, uh, tyrannical government under Brandon. I, I would not I would not be a party to that. I won't carry a gun or a badge for them. Uh, the reason I'm doing this, I hate politics, and apparently I'm a masochist for doing this <laughs> because. It, it, <laughs> Yeah, let me tell you, it's been it's been an experience. Um, uh, politics is the process by which we get a government. If your political process that you get your government is corrupt, is maligned, is is septic, then don't be surprised when your government behaves the same way. We need to clean this up and we need to start here within our scope of control, which is the state of Colorado. And the Republican Party is the only vehicle that can clean this up and return us to a, a constitutional republic. Our, our state government, many of the local governments, certainly the federal government, but that's a topic for another time, has absolutely thrown away, tossed aside and and shredded the Constitution. They, they're far beyond their their limitations of their uh, prescribed powers. They're assuming authorities and powers that were never intended to be uh, ascribed to them. And I see a lot of Republican legislators, uh, Republicans in policymaking positions who are either uh, aiding and abetting or tacitly approving and complacently allowing this to happen. The, the sole purpose of a political party is to get its candidates into policy-making positions. And those candidates are supposed to represent and reflect the ideals, the ideology, and the agenda of, of the party. I don't see that happening a whole lot. We need to recruit, nurture, and support candidates that are reflective of our, uh, of our platform. And we right. need to hold accountable those who aren't. I, I All right, let me ask you my question. Century. Have you oh. heard of and do you have a position on the Bonniewell Amendment? I, I don't know who this Bonniewell guy is, <laughs> but I tell you what. Very good-looking guy. Extremely <laughs> good-looking. Really nice. He's nice almost, almost as handsome as I am. No, uh, viva la Bonniewell <laughs> Amendment. And and uh, part of the masochism that I'm experiencing, Chuck, is because of that amendment, uh, defending it, it has been maligned. People do not okay. understand it. And yeah. the biggest problem is they don't get that this only applies to the opt-out. Yeah. 75%. Yeah. That, doesn't, that doesn't occur anywhere else in right. U.S. law or policy right. with the right. exception of amending the U.S. Constitution. So uh, effectively, what our state legislature did in imposing 75% to do, to do this, to opt out, was make an internal decision to a private organization, which a political party is, tantamount to amending the U.S. Constitution. How absurd yeah. is that? And, yeah. Absolutely exactly. absurd is and that. Todd, I hate to cut you off, but I see we have Alex sure. too now. So, so I want thank to get you, Todd. Thank you, Todd. Of course. And again, let me say to all of the candidates, um, it, it, there is a contact information at chuckandjulie.com and contact me and we'll set you up. Um, for those who aren't real familiar with our show, we're on um, live on Zoom every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And now we have Alex. Alex, we have probably, and we apologize for this. Not no, he's say, got it. We'll go on a little longer to let people yeah, in. Well, yeah, you have plenty of time. Don't, no, not plenty of time. You'll have as much time as everybody else. Um, so we're going to apologize. I'm not even sure we've been saying your name right, for which I'm very sorry. So can you just introduce yourself and then go ahead and tell us why you decided to jump into this? Sure. And I did. Uh, thank you for the opportunity, guys. Um, I did hear every bit of that uh, earlier, and it is oh. Mugatu. So, Mugatu, okay. Um, it's not it's not as ethnic as it may sound. <laughs> I see um, you're wearing an ethnic Bronco hat here. <laughs> um, you know, I'm no stranger to Republican politics uh, here in the southern part of the state. And um, 
in actuality, I've been a multi-time legislative candidate, so I've seen firsthand how state party deals with these legislative candidates. And from our perspective down here, it almost seems like they uh, had a tendency to kind of just defend the uh, the seats that we already had and just kind of brushed everyone else off and hope you hope you catch a, a coattail somewhere. Um, that's not how we should do things in, in the state of Colorado. Now, my background here, the reason why I wanted to jump into this race here is because I think that my background will lend very well to the new era of Republican politics here. I think if there's anything that that Ken Buck, the Ken Buck era, uh, Christy Burton Brown, Joe Jackson, Alex Funganello, um, they, they kind of proved to us that the old ways of fundraising for our party is dead. Josh Hawley said it best that our our party is dead. It should be buried. And <laughs> I, I think we need to to raise this phoenix back from the ashes of, of what was burnt down in the last decade, decade and a half or two decades. Um having been worked having worked with Dick Wadhams to Ryan Call to Jeff Hayes to Steve House, I mean, all the way up to this point, um state party has basically fell off the planet. They've let us all down. Okay. And I, I believe that when the the party pivoted in the last reorg and we elected, well, I'm not a voting member, but when, when the party elected Dave Williams, I think that they're ready to try something new. All right. Mm-hmm. So, let me then, before we let you go. Well, let me, let me give you the, 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 the question. Uh, do you know what the Bonningwell amendment is and do you have a position on it? You know, I've I've recently heard about it, and I've I've seen uh, Josh Hostler's posts on on social media. Um, the the establishment's mad about it. I have a reputation down here in Pueblo for for being a, a wrench thrower here, so I'm with you, buddy. All right, <laughs> very good, Alex. Thank you very much. Hey, and as we wrap things up, I really want to. Well, number one, I want to. Thank, um, Thank everybody. Colonel John Mills and Peg Cage. Not only did Peg Cage do a great job with the drawing, but she she was she's our best promotional person. Peg did a great job letting getting you, all the candidates. Yeah, that letting you know that this was there. So Peg, I can't say thank you enough, and Michelle Hart too for keeping track, and Thomas for keeping track of everybody there too. And once again, finally to the candidates, ChuckandJulie.com. Yeah, if you want to come on again, and we'll give you you know we can give you twenty minutes or so. Um, feel free to contact me, and we'll, we'll, we've got we've got enough time, and we'll set that up. Um, otherwise. Guys, I have great videos. I've, I don't know why I've been in a good mood this week, um, and I've been scouring the internet for funny videos. You, I wait till you see the Barbie thing I've come up with, okay? And then there's a COVID thing too. So we're geared up for party for party Friday. Julie is is gone. Super party, super Barbie party, <laughs> super. Oh no, super Barbie COVID party. <laughs> hey, thank you everybody. We'll see you Friday. Bye bye.